Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 21. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here again with me is Sandy Mackay. Hello, hello. So we're going to do something a little bit different here this time, Sandy. We've got actually what we've got four guests on this show today. Four guests, yeah. A lot of value in this one, isn't there? Yeah, a little bit different. And what we're doing is we're talking about the Toronto Investor Forum presented by Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine. But first, as usual, I want to encourage everybody to go on over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. You can get all of our past episodes, every episode as they come out, plus sign up for our free giveaway the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now and that's absolutely free just go on over and put in your email address and we'll send that to you it's our free gift to you and of course everyone's got to go subscribe on itunes if you haven't already leave us a review leave us some feedback tell us what you like tell us what you don't like whatever you got for us we're glad to hear some feedback on the show and of course give us a a rating there give us a five-star rating yeah that's it So on this episode, we're doing something a little bit different. Like I said, we have uh, John McKenzie, who is the general manager at KMI Media, and he's going to tell us about this year's Investor Forum, what we can expect, what kind of things that are new this year, and just, you know, all of the featured guests, how people can get involved with this. And then we've got a couple of the featured speakers. We've got Claude Boyron, Jillian Irving, and Quentin D'Souza, who are going to tell us a little bit about what they're going to be speaking on. And so, yeah, this is a just a, a packed show, Sandy. And it's packed, jam-packed, full of value, right? Education, excitement, everything. Yep, romance. Romance, sure. Yeah, uh, what, Mystery. drama? <laughs> so it's kind of a romantic comedy. I think that's what it is. That's what we'll tag it as. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So let's get into this. We're not going to delay any longer. So everybody sit back and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Sandy McKay and Rob Brake here on the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And we've got with us tonight our our friend John McKenzie, the general manager of KMI Media. And he's the one responsible for uh, putting on a great show here at the Toronto Investor Forum coming up. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. So, John, I guess to start off, do you want to tell us a little bit about your company, KMI Media, and some of the things that you guys are doing over there? For sure. So, KMI Media is a a small family-owned company. Um, We're based in uh, Australia, the United States, Asia, and Canada. And we specialize in business-to-business magazines, websites, and events. Specifically in Canada, for about 10 years, we've uh, been the number one provider for uh, mortgage broker news and information with the CMP magazine, as well as um, Canadian Real Estate Wealth magazine that we'll talk about today a little bit, and that reaches a lot of really uh, investors looking to 
to supplement their personal income in their day jobs with creating wealth through real estate. We also have a new product called repmag.ca, and it's a uh, forum all for real estate agents across the country. And you can visit that at repmag.ca, and it'll also have a magazine. But the core of what we're talking about is the Canadian uh, Real Estate Wealth Magazine, which um, you can buy it at Chapters Integral Walmart, but really it's a magazine designed at teaching people skills and assets on how to you know, grow their wealth through real estate. The magazine's been around for about 10 years, and this year is the fifth year that we've done the Toronto Investor Forum that has morphed into a national show. Last year we uh, went coast to coast in Vancouver, Calgary, uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal, and Halifax. And this year, uh, coming up on March 28th, 29th, we have the uh, – um, fifth annual Toronto Investor Forum that, like I said, is a very national-based show, all aimed at teaching investors how to make uh, more money through real estate in various means. Cool. I like the sounds of that. And I like the small family-owned company. It's pretty not, pretty uh, global, by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's, it's still it's still very much family-owned. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it is national, but there's maybe 100 of us around the world with 30 in uh, Toronto. And uh, right. yeah, I mean, Tim Deuce is the present CEO, and uh, we're all hard at work. Cool. So Investor Forum this year, what can people expect there? Sure. Well, Investor Forum in Toronto is now the largest real estate-focused forum in the country in the sense that we have approximately 1,000 people coming this year, up from last year at about 650-700. So this year, it's a bit of everything. We have a variety of streams for the different level of investing, but most importantly, we have some fantastic speakers this year, uh, depending on what you're looking for. I mean, people like Don Campbell, people know as uh, the founder of the Real Estate Investing Network, and other people like Julie Broad, who you know started out like probably a lot of your listeners with one or two properties and has uh, since quit her day job, become a Amazon best-selling author and has dozens if not hum- hundreds of investment properties. So she's a great example of someone who really took what she learned and, and put it to work and, and achieved great things. Plus, if you're interested, as many seasoned investors become, we do have a lot of focus on commercial this year uh, with people like Steve Gupta coming, who's the chairman and CEO of the Easton Group of Hotels, one of the largest hotel uh, owners in Canada. And very exciting for the first time, too, for any hockey fans out there, Bruce Firestone, who successfully won the bid to bring the Ottawa Senators back to Canada. Um, Bruce Firestone is a entrepreneur, real estate developer out of Ottawa and obviously helped develop Canada. And he'll be actually keynoting the, the opening session and really talking about how to develop successful real estate investments, you know, alternatively outside of just your single family home. So, you know, whether you're, you're just starting out or you've got 5, 10, 20 doors, um, there's something for everybody at this year's show. Very exciting. Very cool. Mm. And also, there's a lot of new things this year. What uh, what can people expect for those people that have been there maybe the last couple of years? What's new this year that wasn't included the last few years? For sure. Well, for, first and foremost, what I would stress is our no-pitch pledge. So we have found that in a lot of different shows out there, trade shows, conferences, workshops, many people coming expect to learn when they end up getting pitched, pitched from the stage for a variety of products and and you know the next best property. So what we've done is we've put in a, uh, a zero pitch guarantee where if you feel that you're pitched uh, pitched at our show, then you're you know 100% guaranteed in your money back. So what we've done this year for for just that reason is we've actually split the whole program up into three different uh, streams. So first of all, our master class stream. So this is really for the people that uh, have have understood how to do. Um, 
real estate investing and of course have been successful and have been doing it for a while. So this masterclass stream is, is a hands-on workshop um, that's all about teaching quite extensively how to do a variety of different um, really topics. And that's one of the things, you know, led by Julie Broad. Secondly, if you're kind of, you know, maybe have one or two properties out there and, and you're looking to get the next step, we have the editor's room, which is now kind of for the middle stage investor. Uh, and it's really exclusive opportunities to hear from other real estate investors. So this is a stream really with your peers teaching you their past examples, what happened to them, mistakes to avoid. Um, so it's a really, it's a stream focused on, you know, case studies, panel discussions and interviews with active investors. And then finally, the third stream, which um, is, is the main, you know, largest stream and anyone can, can attend with the different tickets uh, is a strategy stream. So it's designed mainly for your new and active investors. So most innovative strategies, ideas, how to get up and running. So whether you're, you know, you've got 20, 30, 40 properties, um, we have a stream for you. If you're, you know, f five properties and, and trying to get to the next stage, you know, we have that stage. Maybe it's com commercial or if you're just starting out, maybe, you're, you know, you're looking to see how you can you know, get your feet wet. Uh, we do have, you know, streams running all day for you. So our whole goal this year is to really educate everybody. That's that's the main purpose of what we do. As we are a media company, but we're also publishers. So we publish all, all the articles in our magazine and, and our goal this year is to really educate everybody. And of course, for any listeners out there, we have the top investors awards gala that takes place at the show as well. So it's free nominations. You can nominate for term of investor of the year, joint venture partner, different things like that. And it's, it's been very successful over the past few years and, and that takes place as well. So uh, you can check that out if you want at topinvestor.ca or the main site which is toronto.theinvestorforum.ca hmm, very cool uh, yeah it's, it's a great um it's a great way to connect with other people too i mean i know some people that have one investor of the year have made some great contacts as a result of that same with the joint venture partners of the year you know a lot of people are out there trying to ask for all of our money so sometimes having awards yeah. attached to your name really lends some credibility to uh you know who's asking for the money or or what partnerships to form so it's a free endeavor anyone can do it nominate your peers friends family whoever and yeah and the the finalists will come out shortly with the winners announced at the show yeah, it does help. It does help to have the award, even well for joint venture partners, for one thing, definitely. I guess you've already answered it, but who is this investor forum for? I guess is it really for everybody, right? It, it, newcomer, whoever. Absolutely. So it's it's for anybody in Canada. Um, we have people coming this year off our reputation from Vancouver all the way to you know Cape Breton Island. Um, the Investor Forum is for anyone that's interested in learning about real estate investing in Canada. The most important thing I can tell everybody is just because you're based in Toronto or Hamilton or Alberta does not mean you have to necessarily invest there. So a lot of people that come from across Canada, yes, it's in Toronto, but you end up making partnerships and, and connections with people coast to coast because the best cash flowing opportunities aren't necessarily – on your doorstep, Toronto's a prime example. Downtown, it's not for everybody. It can be, you know, very expensive. So, whether you're just starting out or you're very established in your uh, real estate portfolio, the Toronto Investor Forum has something for everybody. So it's very coast to coast. So don't be hesitant to come and make some new connections because you never, never quite know who you're going to meet and what that's going to turn into. You've already touched on a few of these people, but who are some of the featured speakers that people can expect to hear from? 
For sure. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, starting off with Bruce Firestone, definitely very interesting individual. Same with Steve Gupta, if you don't know, again, president and CEO of the Gupta Hotels. Um, but more specifically, outside of the commercial side, you've got Don Campbell, who everyone respects in the industry, founder of the Real Estate Investing Network, and of course, a very renowned author and educator. So he, he'll be leading a few sessions. And I, I guess it really depends on, on what you're looking for. Like I touched on, Julia Broad is definitely a can-do sort of person. She lives by example. Or maybe it's taking the next step, considering new JVs. Jillian Irving, who I believe you had on your show, um, will also be a speaker at the Investor Forum. But I, I guess it depends really on what you're looking for. Claude Boyron, who's a broker, author, and university instructor, is talking about how to really transform into the commercial side. We also have you know economists from the uh, CMH. See, we have the urban planning department for the city of Toronto. John Andrews, a very interesting speaker. He's the director of real estate at uh, Queen's University. Um, so he talks a lot about joint ventures, financing, different things like that. And, you know, it, I guess it really we, – we have all the different streams going, which you can find on the website. So it's, it's, it's really – what are you interested in learning? You can pick and choose this year's grade because, you know, not one session is for everybody. So rather you want to learn from the city or you want to learn from an economist, we have that, or a commercial person, we have that, or you want to learn about condos. We have a great presentation from Matt Elkind who uh, comes coast to coast with us on condo developers. And re really it's um, – I guess it just depends on, on who you – on who you're looking to learn from, but uh, you can see the bios of all our speakers on our website, but those are just some of the ones I, I, I guess I named. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any time for lunch with all of that going on. <laughs> well, we definitely have time for lunch because it's the most important thing. Plus on the, on the first day, we have the top investor awards. So that's a sit down, great dinner. And then on day two as well, we're serving food as well. So with your ticket, whatever ticket you take, you do get participation in both lunches. You get a, it's a great opportunity at the end of day one is our drinks reception. A lot of people, we call it the joint venture drinks reception where it's a time for everyone after the show to have a cocktail, relax, and really create those bonds that who knows, maybe you found your next uh, joint venture partner. And of course, lots of coffee breaks. I mean, as much as it's about education, we all know how important networking is, and that's really the ethos of the show is learn learn some great tools while you're there, but most importantly, meet some great people and, and form connections that will carry on in your investing life. Man, Rob, we've got to invite more people to, the, to this thing. <laughs> yes, I'm excited. Yeah, it's it sounds fantastic. I've never been, and I'm really looking forward to going this year. Yeah, we're very very glad to have you guys. Like I said, it's it's grown every year by about ten or fifteen percent, and you know we're really excited. Plus, just to plug another show, it's at the so our show is at the International Center on March 28th and 29th, which is in the same place at the same time as the Cottage Ho uh, Cottage Home Show, which attracts about 30,000 people. So if you come to our show, but you're also interested in some cottaging, uh, we're kind of partnering up with them a little bit, so you can kind of have two two shows at once by going to the same place. We'll find some joint venture money, maybe. With the <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I always I always like the cocktail hour. I, not for the cocktails, although they're nice, but just meeting people and stuff, engaging and actually having some conversation with people. There's so much that can be, uh, that can happen in a five minute conversation with somebody there. Yeah. I, I can't stress it enough. People always ask me, you know, I, I was successful. I was not successful at the shows and, and I, I always probe why, 
the key to real estate shows or any trade show in general is be active. You always see shows, people are on their phone sitting outside or kind of sheepishly only talking to the people they're with. The key is, is it's tough to walk up to people and just engage in conversation, but that's what you want to do at a trade show. Like you just said, Sandy, at the drinks reception, everyone's a little bit more relaxed. Just walk up, start talking to people, introduce yourself. You never know how successful that little conversation can lead you. Plus, you're feeling nervous walking out to people. I guarantee you everybody else in the room is feeling the exact same way. By walking up to them, they're going to probably appreciate it. That's why they're there. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to do, but look people in the eyes, walk up, introduce yourself, bring business cards. You know, It's one thing that organizers, we can't make people do, but I can't stress it enough. That is what will make you successful is just talking with people, networking with them, and finding out their goals and see if they link with yours. Right on. Well, all right. Well, how can people get involved in this awesome event? How can they uh, sign up? You know, everyone's got to sign up. We definitely want to see a lot of our listeners go there. And I mean, Rob and I want to meet some of our listeners too. If anyone's <laughs> there, uh, make sure you come speak to us. But how do people get involved? How do they uh, sign up, register? Sure, absolutely. So we have a website that's got almost all the information you need. Most importantly, it's not www, but rather it's just in your web browser. Type in Toronto theinvestorforum.ca. When you go to that website, it has all the information. You can watch a couple videos of last year. On the right-hand side on tabs, there's a Contact Us page. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can also just register directly on the on the program. If you are interested in you know sponsoring or uh, setting up some a booth or something like that, I'd probably call into our office and try to directly with somebody but if you just want to attend and check it out very easy go to the website toronto.theinvestorforum.ca and register and as a, a thanks for this podcast we set up a code that if anybody were to register as a result of listening there's a code where you type in that says promo and you just enter the word sandy which is obviously one of our hosts and that will give you a free subscription to our magazine for a year with whatever package you buy whether it's the $67 package or the $750 one anywhere in between by listening to the podcast you can get a free subscription to Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine nice and that's not Rob right just Sandy <laughs> just Sandy <laughs> okay. absolutely perfect Sorry, Bob. <laughs> that's okay Great. Okay. Wow. Thanks for coming on and sharing all of this with us. And uh, we really look forward to seeing you there. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys, for uh, having me on. Definitely. Thanks, John. Cheers. All right. Hey, it's Rob Brake and Sandy McKay here with Claude Boyron. We are going to speak to him about the Investor Forum coming up this year. And he is one of the great speakers that you can look forward to seeing there. Claude, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you guys doing? I'm fantastic. really good. Yeah. Sandy's fantastic, and I'm really good. <laughs> good. So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give you the 20-second spiel. I've been in, involved in real estate most of my life. I come from a real estate uh, family. I've been brokering real estate deals for around 15 years. The first 10 years were virtually ex- exclusively in commercial real estate. And over the last five years, I've just had a lot of demand from clients asking me to represent them in uh, residential deals as well. So commercial and residential are, are both in my bailiwick these days. I've written a few books on, uh, on, on real estate. Uh, one's called Commercial Real Estate Investing in Canada. The second one is a, a business guide for realtors. And um, I either speak or teach at various institutions, including the University of Toronto, where I teach a course called Commercial Real Estate Investing. Oh, nice. And what is that second book called? 
Uh, second book, uh, it's got a horrible name. My publishers, I uh, uh, insisted on it because they wanted it to be geared towards realtors, and I wrote it to be for realtors, but very accessible for consumers and investors as well. So it's called Make More Money, Find More Clients, Close Deals Faster. So like I said, horrible title for a book that I'd like consumers to uh, to feel comfortable reading. Well, you know what? I think it's pretty catchy. You know, that's what everybody wants to do, isn't it? Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sure at uh, first glance, it's realtors' uh, eyes who open up and get happy seeing that title. Uh, true enough. Maybe just change the cover and republish it out there again. Yeah, it's always an option. <laughs> both ways. Have it both ways. Indeed. Uh, all right, Claude. Well, what are some differences then uh, between working with investor clients as opposed to someone buying a principal residence? Well, it's interesting. So like I said, first 10 years was uh, exclusively uh, commercial real estate. In the last five years, I've mixed it up with houses and condos as well, both for investors as well as people who are buying them to occupy themselves. And I'd say the biggest, biggest difference, I mean, money is involved in, in both scenarios. Most people are always going to be going to get financing. So for an investor, it's different than somebody uh, living in the property. But truly, I think that the biggest difference is really the emotions that are involved. When someone's buying a house to live in themselves, usually it's, you know, with their family. It's where most of our memories, I, I feel like, are, are made. If you think back to, to your childhood, at least for me, a lot of my memories revolve around the household. And for investors, it's more about, you know, will this property be good enough for someone else? Will it uh, allow me to cash flow positive? What kind of financing can I get? So really, I'd say that the biggest difference is emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that too. Um, yeah. what, are, what are three things an agent can do to prepare for working with investors then? Well, I, um, hmm, that's a very good question. I, I'd say the, the biggest mistake I see is uh, realtors who don't understand or, or have a good grasp of the correct terminology. It's very difficult to speak intelligently and honestly with investors if you don't understand what you know an NOI or net operating income is and how to arrive at it. What is a cap rate, a capitalization rate, and, and when do you use it? How is it used? If clients, you know, even though I don't use this method too often, if clients want to use IRRs or modified internal rate of returns, at least know what they are and why some people are interested in using them to analyze properties. Uh, so that'd be the first thing. The second thing I'd say is, is understanding financing. I, I often mentor realtors, and when I have them, saying that, oh, yeah, you can buy a good commercial property with 15% down, you know, usually I'll say to them, well, where, where is that property? And when's the last time you did a deal like that? As, as, as you know, commercial real estate is, uh, is a little bit more difficult to finance than residential. A lot of the time, there are environmental issues that we have to be aware of. A lot of the time, you're going to have to get building condition assessment reports or structural reports done. And I'd say the last thing is... Um, Probably just being realistic when an agent is advising a client on risk. You know, something that's that's always bothered me is when I've overheard realtors telling their clients, "It's okay if there are a few va vacancies; we'll just rent them out." And I and I'll say to them, "Oh, okay. Well, well, that's great. What what's the vacancy rate in this area, and and how long do you think it's going to take to rent out?" And and they say, "Well, I don't know, but you know, we'll put up a sign, we'll do the work." And I said, "You know, that's that's really nice to to offer to do that." But if you've never, you know, sat awake at night, unable to sleep because you've got a mortgage payment coming up and you don't know how to pay for it because you have too much vacancy, you're giving some pretty bizarre advice to your client about how to manage risk. So just to sum up again, understanding the terminology, 
understanding financing, and again, giving accurate and responsible advice regarding risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, you got me stressed a little bit about the rental that I'm trying to fill right now. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, at the same time, the flip side of that is, you know, you walk through fire, you're going to come out stronger if you if you make it through. So I'm, I'm sure that, you know, most investors, most intelligent investors who stick around, they don't make the same mistake too many times in a row. But I, I'm a really big believer that realtors get paid to help their clients avoid some of that learning curve and steer them away from some of those problems. And then conversely, I guess, we need to also address what investors should be looking for in a great agent. Very true. Uh, well, I guess everything I just mentioned um, and and uh, the main thing I would add to, to what I just uh, talked about would be um, to ask an investor, I think, should ask a realtor what kind of investments they've made in the past or, or what type of investments they have in real estate currently. I find it very difficult. I'm fortunate. Like I said, I come from a real estate family, so I've seen every side of it. I've been a landlord. I've even been a tenant. I've been a buyer. I've been a seller. I've been a uh, somebody who desperately needed to get financing, and I've been someone who, who didn't want to hear about financing and uh, bought and sold land. So I would say if somebody's buying a pre-construction condo as an investment, it would be great to hear that their realtor uh, has good, good personal knowledge of, of what it's like to go through that process. And similarly, if you're buying an income-producing property, um, I think it'd be nice to hear that a, a realtor has gone through that themselves and they've gone through the heartache of finding a property that looks very promising and not been able to get the financing and then and then eventually found a property that they were able to successfully buy and manage, improve, etc. And, and make cash flow positive or, or sell for profit. You know, um, I'd really like to actually have you back when you could do a full interview with us. I know we're just kind of condensing this one today. So uh, would you come back on and do a full interview with us? Yeah, for sure. I think that'd be nice. I I like to hear. uh, I really enjoy hearing intelligent questions like this. My tagline is an educated approach to real estate. So I'm forever encouraging questions in our industry. Well, it's a good thing I wrote the questions on. It is. (laughs) (laughs) So what excites you most about this year's Investor Forum? Another good question. You're right. You should pat yourself on the back. Well, I'd say the biggest, uh, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very, very large uh, forum. There's an incredible amount of diversity of various real estate professionals who attend, as well as investors. And I think that the chatter on the street that I've been hearing is I like to hear that there's more demand for commercial content. I will never have, at least in the foreseeable future, I have nothing against residential uh, real estate investments. I have some myself. I believe in them and I represent clients uh, who are buying and selling. But at the same time, I've heard more and more in the last five or seven years, you know, people who've been investing for a while, they have a handful or two or a small, small portfolio of residential real estate investments. And they, they kind of want to either move on or graduate from that into larger deals, which are typically commercial. And since I cut my teeth for the first 10 years exclusively and, and now still in commercial real estate, I love to hear people asking about education and information on commercial real estate. So that's why I'm excited to be speaking there this year. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to the uh, commercial side of it too, actually. Um, That'll be great. Yeah, I mean, I speak for us both, I suppose, Rob, when we say we're looking forward to seeing you there and learning from you uh, some more. Where can people learn more about you now? If they're not going to be able to make it to the forum or if, if someone just wants to look into it a bit before, where can they learn more about you? 
Well, I'll tell you what. I'm fortunate to have a French background where my first and last name combined, as far as I know, I'm the only one in North America. So what I usually tell people is just Google my name. My first name's Claude with an E on the end. And my last name is Boyron. Be like Bob, O-I-R-O-N, like Nicole. Whoa. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Look forward to seeing you at the forum. I appreciate it. Sounds good. Take care. Hey, it's Rob and Sandy from the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, and we're here with Jillian Irving from investinstudentrentals.com, and she is one of the great speakers that we're going to see at this year's Investor Forum, March 28th at the International Center. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Sandy. Yeah, I'm here. There you are. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Jillian? Uh, sure. Well, I mean, I think first off, I'm a mom uh, of four really great kids, uh, two of which are about to be teenagers. So <laughs> that's a whole challenge all in itself. But they're they're a great bunch. But I'm a student rental investor, and I I love it. My my first introduction to student rentals was actually about 30 years ago, if you can imagine. I went to go visit my sister at university with my parents, and I remember speaking to her the night before, and she told me about how she got the house already for our visit, and she tidied the whole place up. So when I got there and I opened the door, I wasn't even thinking about how the place would look, and I remember being completely struck by the smell of the place. It just stunk of cigarettes and beer, and then that's when I noticed all the other stuff. After that, there was like paint chipping off the walls and spindles were missing on the stairs and the carpet was all mottled with stains. And I just remember thinking like, is this a tavern or is this my sister's house? So my parents and I finally got into the living room. We sat down for a glass of water and that's when we noticed there was a gaping hole in the ceiling where the plumbing above was exposed. And, you know, like any self-respecting students, if there's a exposed pipe in your house you're gonna have to hang some sort of art on it so they had hung this like (laughs) they'd hung this kind of stuffed lizard from a hanger from the pipe above and I just remember thinking I cannot believe my sister lives like this and in fact I can't remember believe anyone would ever live like this now you know I'm not really a betting gal but I'm betting your listeners are probably wondering like why (laughs) anyone would invest in student rentals when you know, they hear stories like this that just confirm all their beliefs, all these terrible beliefs that they have about student rentals. But hopefully tonight, over the course of our chat, I can illuminate why, despite stories like this, I just think it is a fantastic investment vehicle. <laughs> well, I remember when I was a student, we hung a giant beer banner to block the wind in our front porch right. out facing the street. And so that's what everyone got to see when they drove by our house. It's, you know, I think the worst, I mean, I think it was a badge of honor for some students, like the worse the house, the funner it was or something and and probably (laughs) scare investors to the hills. And, um, but there is another great side to the student rental world, despite all these like crazy student stories. (laughs) Well, so obviously that, that first experience, did that really get you interested in this strategy or what was it that really sparked your interest in investing this way? So, of course, that's my earliest memory of it. And in fact, if I just relied on that, I would have just like everybody else probably run to the hills and never thought of of that as a strategy at all. But I got started investing in in student rentals specifically just a couple of years ago. I had done a deal 
on a duplex in, in Toronto in 2009. And I was really lucky because there was this huge rise in appreciation and it allowed me to refinance that home and pull out some money. And the thing is, I did not have a defined real estate investment strategy to speak of at that time. And I really, really wanted to be strategic with that money I had. I wanted to be a really good shepherd of those resources. So I started to do my research. Like I really rolled up my sleeves and dug in. Uh, I started reading everything I could. I went to seminars and conferences and listened to podcasts. And I ended up settling on student rentals for some really key strategic reasons for my business. It's what I like best about the strategy. It's why I started investing in this strategy. And as you can imagine from my opening story, I mean, not everyone does see the appeal in student housing. Some just see all those perceived difficulties and and problems like they imagine squalor and beer bottles and, you know, they think of Animal House and, you know, couches being thrown through uh, living room windows and ending up on the front lawn. But I really just don't see it that way. I see so many opportunities in it. And the first one is obviously the cash flow, the potential cash flow, um, because it can be so much more lucrative in ter- from a cash flow perspective than investing in single family homes, because single family homes obviously rent out the whole house where student rentals, you parcel out and you rent by the individual room. So, you know, I have a house, for example, in an Ontario town really close to a midsize Canadian college and a house there might rent to a single family for 1500 bucks, but because I rent it to six students and charge each of them $500, my rent is $3,000 a month. So from a cash flow perspective, it just made such a great, it made such great sense to me from, from a financial perspective from that cash flow. And also there's less vacancy risk in student rentals. So as I said at the beginning, I'm not a betting gal. I actually don't like risk that much. And I really, really don't like the idea of having to um, cover all the expenses in a rental property if it's vacant for a month. But that's exactly what happens if you have a single family home and it's not rented. You have zero rental income, but are responsible for 100% of the bills. But Again, since student rentals are rented by the room, you know, even if you're missing one kid out of six bedrooms, you're still 83% occupied and you can cash flow. And, you know, if things go really badly and you only have three students in a house, well, in the most part, for most of my properties anyway, that's still going to cover my mortgage payment, that key, mm-hmm. key expense, right? So there's, there's lots of really great um, reasons from a business perspective that student rentals just make such good sense to me. And the one I like, the one I like most is that we get their parents to co-sign the lease, right? So um, we get this rent payment security that you don't have in a single family home necessarily. So if a tenant loses a job, you know, you of course you can take them to court and that can take some time and some money, but you can get your money back. But if your student spends their rent on beer, for example, you just phone up their parent and they're going to pay you. So I don't know. There's just th- that notion that you have two people who are potentially going to pay your rent one month makes me feel really great. So those are some of the reasons why I picked that as a strategy and why I just love it so much. And uh, my next question was, what's the, what do you like best? I'm assuming you answered it there, right? You like the cash flow. Yeah. Right? And you know, abs- I'd say the cash flow for sure, but also that, that, that payment security, knowing that I really have someone else who I can phone if someone's late or just opts not to pay a bill, I, I can phone up mom and dad and, you know, they're really helpful. Most parents really, um, really step up if their child is, you know, not paying on time. So it's really great for me. That's probably more of an issue between them and their kid as opposed to between you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, I have a student rental myself too, and I know the some of the challenges that I have, but would you like to share one of your biggest challenges that you've encountered and how you overcame it? No. You know, they're just not a motivated bunch of people. You know, I think it's those young adults. I think that sort of, they say that, you know, their prefrontal lobes aren't fully developed yet. And sometimes I, I wonder whether any part is fully developed yet. They just really, and I say that lovingly because, of course, I'm a mother and I adore kids. And I actually like the service aspect of student mentals. But um, I think the biggest challenge really is just staying on top of everything, right? So kids don't really care about the cleaning and they don't have mom and dad around to hound them. And so there has to be mechanisms in place where that you have enough mechanisms in place to monitor your house, your house sufficiently. So, you know, for example, I have a fantastic uh, property manager. Uh, he's known as the sort of party wrecker. He actually drives around on Thursday and Friday night, much to the dismay of my tenants and he busts up parties if they get really bad. Um, and he's poking his head in there a lot to make sure that even if it's messy, it's not getting, disgusting like we don't want to have vermin or anything in our house so he's around there a lot um and it's not that i want those kids to feel like they're being constantly watched and they can't have fun at university but we're just really clear with our rentals that they can have fun but not at the, the expense of damaging our property and so i think our students get to know that right it's just managing those expectations showing them that you're going to be around that the property management is going to be around and that they have responsibilities so once that's all established and clear then i think things start to get a little bit easier mm -hmm. see we'd love to have you back on to go deeper into this i know we're just doing a short interview now but we'd really like to have you back on to go into a lot of these things more in depth because mm -hmm. I mean it's it's hard to touch on really what it means to have a student rental in such a short time mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. would you be willing to come back on for a full interview one day oh I'd love it so I guess if you were going to give some action steps what would you recommend to people who are starting out in student rentals you know what, I have to say, and I say this pretty much for anyone starting out in anything in real estate investing, it doesn't really matter what your strategy is, but without hesitation, I'd say is get a real estate coach or a mentor. And I know that's sort of counterintuitive for people who are starting out. They resist that notion of spending money, and it might even be sort of a substantial amount of money. But you know, investing in real estate, whether it's one property or it's 20 properties, it's a business, right? And like any business, you have to do some investment. So... And when you invest in a coach, I would say 100% of the time you're going to get your investment back by some sort of value that your coach gives you. So they're going to steer you away from pitfalls. They're going to guide you towards great deals. So I would say find yourself a coach whose values, whose strategy aligns with what you do and saddle up to them because that's the best investment you can do in getting your business started and started on tracks that make sense, right? So I would say get a coach. Well, you know how true that is. What other business can you go into where you can start making money from day one? Most businesses, most small businesses take a couple years before they start making money. So, I mean, this one right here, just to be able to have that potential, then to have somebody who's already walked down that path give you some even better advice on how to do it better, you know, you can't really lose. Well, and furthermore, you know, when if you're buying a house, like just imagine that you're buying a student mental property in a sort of small southern Ontario town like I do and it's about $300,000 you know if you spend 1500 bucks or $2,000 on a coach 
who helps you stay away from some pitfalls, you could save yourself $6,000 or $7,000 like I did on my first deal. So it seems like a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money when you're talking about an investment that's potentially in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So uh, mistakes can be costly. I would always just say it's so worth the investment. You'll make it back for sure. <laughs> no matter what, I've never, I've never actually met a really successful real estate investor or any entrepreneur for that matter who has not always felt that investing in themselves was the single best step they ever took me included definitely and uh the, the accountability too is what i like about being coached is they'll help you move forward a lot quicker you'll they'll make you hes- hesitate a little less maybe because you have that support behind you Absolutely. You know, and, and again, too, you know, for me, I was afraid when I started out, you know, I used to be a market research analyst by profession, and I was really used to studying numbers and coming up with actionable findings for my clients. But I was more hesitant when it came to looking at these numbers and deciding whether I was going to act on it. And, you know, my coach and mentor was really, you know, instrumental in helping me get my confidence and challenging me and encouraging me to move forward. So yeah, they had account- accountability piece is also a huge one. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's that's awesome. That's uh, some interesting stuff that we definitely want to get you back on and discuss some more. So, I guess moving on to the investor forum this year, what are you looking forward to there? Oh well, you know, it's it. They've got such a great lineup of speakers. I know I certainly, my my own coach too is going to be there. Julie Broad, who always has such a great talk. This year she's doing um, joint venture partnerships, and she is such a knowledgeable woman when it comes to that. You know, I'm going to be exploring more multi-family stuff. So I think there's something there for everyone, and I find that so appealing. Right? It doesn't matter if you're just starting out or whether or not you're getting more and more sophisticated in your partnering up with people or whether or not you want to move into a new strategy. There's just something for everyone. And I, I just, I, I can't wait to get on this stage too. It's, I'm really excited about that. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're excited to, uh, to see you there <laughs> and what you have to share. And yeah, it's going to be a great uh, weekend there. Where uh, can people learn more about you then for now? Yeah, where if someone were, wanted to look you up and uh, find out more about what you do. So what, my website what? is Invest in Student Rentals. I also, I mean, you can email me directly at Jillian at JillianIrving.com. I'm happy to answer any questions that people have. I just, I love the service aspect of this too. I love answering people's questions. I'm really passionate about what I do and I have lots of time to help people who are getting started. So fire away. Great. Well, thank awesome. you very much for coming on with us tonight. We look forward to seeing you there. I look forward to seeing you at the conference, too. Thanks for having me tonight, guys. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Hey, it's Rob and Sandy here with the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We are here tonight talking to Quentin D'Souza, who is one of the speakers at this year's Toronto Investor Forum in the International Centre, March 28th and 29th, 2015. Uh, hi, Quentin. How are you? I'm good. How about yourselves? Terrific. Terrific. Excellent. <laughs> we got to have different answers every time, eh? I know. Okay, Quentin. Well, you, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Actually, I was. I, I, I think I was one of your first speakers on this podcast. You were our very first guest. <laughs> Second episode. All right. It's like a little cycle here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... 
if you didn't hear that podcast, you can always go back there and grab that one. But uh, I was a teacher, actually, in the public school system for 16 years. I left teaching last year. Uh, after working on a number of different things, when I left, I was actually I have a master's of education and a bachelor of education, and I was working with teachers and administrators, doing workshops and in services with them. Over the last ten years, I've been investing in in real estate and doing a number of other things as well. You know, writing books and running clubs, and you know, kind of getting my fingers in different different pies and just. Uh, but always focused on the real estate. Last year, I actually left my my position with uh, the school board and I've uh, been working full time as a as a real estate investor. It's been a lot of fun. I've had a lot more time to do things that I've I've always wanted to do, which has been pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of got to this position now where I have more time, so I've been actually coaching clients and and helping them to invest in real estate and continue to invest myself. Awesome. Uh, okay, Quentin, why don't you tell us a bit about the uh, buy, fix, and refi strategy and how you got it or like what made you interested in that? About uh, seven, eight years ago, I was trying to figure out a better way to leverage the money that I was putting in. So I talked to um, different mortgage brokers. I talked to different lawyers. I talked to uh, a variety of different people. And I was buying properties that required work anyways and needed to be brought up to a certain rental standard before I could rent them out. What I figured out that I could do was I could do this lift and then be able to refinance the property at the the new lifted value and take more of the money out so that it was kind of like I was putting 5% down, 10% down. And when I did it really well, you know, my whole down payment or even getting paid for my my uh, the property after the refinance just by being able to do this this process and I didn't have to pay CMHC fees which was was pretty cool too mm. so that's kind of how I, I I got into it it was just trying to replicate something that I was getting before little did I know that you know that people were doing this before too. <laughs> I thought I was inventing something new. I guess it's like every real estate investor. You think it's you know you're doing it for the first time, and I was like, wow, this is really good. And then you know a couple years later, I found out that you know some of my friends that well event like I met them, yeah, like um, uh, Andrew Brennan and Jeff Woods and and even Ian Zabo too. You know, just kind of like figuring out, oh, that's what they were doing too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of those one of those things, right? And Loeffler actually is doing it as well, right? So, I mean, you, you kind of think you're doing something unique, but other people are, are doing it as well. And, you know, what it does is it enables you to put less of your money down on um, a project uh, and get the same cash flow. As long as you're looking at buying properties, that cash flow after the uh, value lift, and getting money back on it is amazing. Like getting more money than you actually put in is is a pretty crazy thing. I think if that's if that works, is it's pretty rare. It's, but that's sweet. I don't know. You should talk to your your co-host there. <laughs> he he seems to have been doing it a couple times, Mister Break. <laughs> yeah, that it's a good strategy. It's working out. I read a book somewhere. 
<laughs> you know what? It makes me happy that, that you're able to succeed and, and do that too. It's all your hard work, right? That that you're able to do that. But you know how you know no, most people don't believe that it can happen. Like everybody tells you that you can't do it or that, you know, it's not possible or it's, I don't know. I think what happens is there's too many of those get rich quick type of people out there who kind of think that it's like fast money, but it really is hard work. That's all. And there's nothing, it's nothing magical about it. It's hard work. And, you know, finding the property, understanding that there's a lift, in your case, taking advantage of the upswing in the market, and then being able to refinance the property and get at least almost all your money out, maybe even get paid after the refi. Mm-hmm. And since we're since we've mentioned the book, we may as well tell everybody what we're talking about, because you are the author of uh, The Ultimate Wealth Strategy, right? I'm a co-author with my friends uh, Andrew Brennan and Jeff Woods, and, and that's on Amazon as well. So it's a, it is a good book, and it explains the strategy from start to finish. Uh, Quentin, what are you going to be talking about at the forum? I know you're not actually talking about this buy, fix, and refi and rent strategy. It's going to be something a bit different. Why don't you let us uh, know what you're going to be speaking about? Well, I want to share with people – you know, how to maximize the cash flow of their rental. Uh, I think a lot of people think that they're kind of stuck in a particular position because in Ontario anyways, where we have uh, rent controls and they think that, you know, that's the only reason or that's the only amount that they can actually raise the rent. But there are a lot of different ways that you can maximize cash flow. And uh, we're going to talk about ways to increase your revenue by decreasing expenses. I know it doesn't sound, uh, you know, sexy, but man, you will learn something. <laughs> well, I was and ladies, people make you will learn money. something too. <laughs> yeah, people yeah, make more money. That's sexy. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, Sandy. <laughs> I think it's really cool. I got to tell you guys, people have told me from Calgary that they heard my podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah, awesome. it's cool. I met, I forget where it was. I was at a conference or something, and somebody said, Oh, yeah, I heard your podcast. They're like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I have a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Breakthrough. Oh, okay. It said Breakthrough Real Estate Podcast. Nice. Because they also mentioned Jeff Woods and Andrew Brennan. Oh, well, we've had them on too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what they, they said, the same thing. <laughs> Can you share one of your biggest challenges in this business and how you've overcome it? I had a property earlier this year where I had to get rid of an oil tank um, and I got to, I had to bring in the gas, so the natural gas. And Onbridge was contacting them. Uh, they wanted to charge me uh, $20,000 to bring the gas line from the main to the property across uh, Coxwell, mm. right? 20,000. <laughs> so, you know, I took, I, you know, I went to the first level of, of Ombridge people and then went to the next level, service supervisor, and then the next level. And, you know, I fought and I fought and I fought and I, and I got them through a letter from the neighbor to branch off a neighbor's gas line and run it to the property that I, that I had. And you know how much I ended up paying? Half. Ninety-seven dollars. Oh shit! See, that's the that's just the difference between 
your persistence. Persistence is everything too, right? Yeah. It's the principle of duration. Most people fail because they, they don't persist. They fail because they can't focus. They go from one shiny object to the next. If you have a problem, you need to focus on the solution and different solutions. Anybody can do this business. I'm not special, right? Anybody can do it. It's just people give up too easily and too soon. They don't focus and they'll just accept no. This is, you know, accept except the $20,000 charge and have to pay it. Yeah. Well, what I thought was interesting is I've heard this once before, and I've probably said it on the show before, but um, there's a saying that I got from a, another podcast, sort of a motivational podcast, and the guy said, you know, when you when you decide to do something, when you decide to take a, a certain path, you instantly put all of the roadblocks and challenges in your way as well at the same time. I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it because you can't expect to walk down the path without those roadblocks. So you choose them at the same time as you choose where you're going. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And and then you're preparing yourself for those by doing that. Okay, Quinton, what action steps would you recommend for somebody that was going to start out with the buy, fix, refi, and rent strategy? Well, the first thing I would do is start finding and contacting people and looking for people that could help you find those properties that require the work. Um, I always kind of refer to as as fishing lines, but you think of it however you want. But you really want to put your vibe out there to uh, to find these properties. Uh, you know, you have a realtor that can help you find them, but that's just only one line. You know, there are other lines that you can go to. Rob, your you do wholesaling as well, so you're able to you know help that way. You can look on Kijiji to find different leads. Um, you can look on you know there's just you can put out ads in order to on Kijiji or other places to bring them to you. Like the more and more different ways that you're putting it out there, telling people you're looking for properties, the more likely it is that you'll be able to find those. And then, you know, it's finding other people who are doing the same thing as you. That's the the other thing, because um, without that, it becomes more difficult. You can't problem solve. You can't figure out how to do things. So find other people who are actually doing the strategy and get them to to help you. That's probably step two (laughs) or part of step one anyways. I mean, it's such a cool strategy. We could go into a lot more on it, but we'll save that for another time, I think. But you okay. you are the king of this strategy as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. And you you know what, my friend, you are doing very well at it. And I think that the only thing you have to do is stop transacting on real estate and keeping them in your portfolio. Uh, well, Quentin, what are you most looking forward to at this year's investor forum? What am I, I'm looking for the change. Actually, I'm uh, one of the things that drove me away from the forum was the pitch fest, mm-hmm. and you know the reason why I'm speaking. And I actually had to sign an agreement that said that I would not be pitching anything, which is very cool. In the editor's room and in the I forget what the other room is there's still that happening, but it's in the, the game changer room or something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> 
But where I am in my stream, which is the editor's room, there is no pitching. In fact, I signed an agreement that said that if I pitched, I had to pay for people's attendance. Wow. So I was that was kind of harsh. <laughs> <laughs> But kind of weird, too, because you, you would think that you would at least get to mention your book or whatever, but <laughs> it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it anyways. I'm looking forward to that and to seeing some really uh, people and connect with some people that I haven't uh, seen in a while. Yeah, I'm looking for the change. I mean, uh, they were asking different people what they needed to change in that uh, forum. Mm-hmm. That was my big suggestion to them. So... I think they're on the right track anyway, so definitely. Yeah, and I've never been there. This year will be my first year there, and that sounds like a really good idea. I'm I'm looking forward to not being pitched to. <laughs> it's hard, I think. Like sometimes, like some people want to be pitched, right? So it's kind of hard to walk the fine line, I guess. Well, Quentin, let me tell you something. We do not discriminate against pitching here, so. Oh, <laughs> I, I know that very soon, within the next couple of days, I think you're releasing yeah. a new book. Are you not? Yes, I'll be picking it up from the printer in the next uh, three days. Oh, so it's the nice. uh, fill, uh, <laughs> it's the filling vacancies toolbox. It's basically a step by step guide on how to fill vacancies, go through the entire vacancy process. It would make a great gift, <clears throat> Sandy, for your clients who are <laughs> who are uh, purchasing real estate for the first time. It does and sound like. Kind- yeah, that was, the, you know, that was, and same with the property management toolbox, my other book. Like the idea really is that, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of get into real estate and, and not sure what to do. And they get into a lot of problems because they just, nobody, they don't have enough focused information so that they can do it well. And that was the idea behind those two books to help people to do it well. And I also have a, actually I have a a property management course that I'm going to be doing in April as well. It's a one day course and I'll be, um, you know, sharing everything. Actually, I've got a ton of resources that I uh, give at that as well. The whole idea behind the filling vacancies toolbox is get the right person in and you will save yourself so much time and so much money. (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? I also look forward to hearing you speak on uh, increasing cash flow at the Investor Forum. And I guess for anyone interested in picking up that book, I know Sandy's pre-ordered 30 copies of it already. Um, <laughs> where can where can somebody learn about that course and pick up the books? The OntarioLandlordToolbox.com. And they can learn about the course there as well? Absolutely, yep. Okay, oh, great. Is there any other place you'd want people to look you up? Actually, you know, I'd love people to look me up at Durham REI because that that is my educator passion. You know, I'm a I'm a teacher at heart, and no BS education <laughs> goes on there. So um, I really would encourage people to check out uh, DurhamREI.ca. Okay, thank right. you very much for coming Perfect. on tonight, Quentin. Yeah, no problem. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Bye. Okay, well, I hope everyone's going to join us at this year's Investor Forum. I'm looking forward to meeting everybody there. I'm sure you are too, Sandy. I am. I want to encourage again everyone to come up. If you're there and you listen to the show, come up and have a chat with us. Yeah, absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Rob Breakthrough. And then catch me at 
the Sandy McKay on Twitter. Okay. Well, everyone, it's time to invest in your breakthrough. So get out there and we will see you all next time. Do you have anything else to say? Maybe Ander will tell me a story. Go. Okay. Oh, this is story time, and this is my daddy and cold and my brother. And then, welcome. Once upon a time, there was a monster. A monster. Dead. Then he went <laughs> Then the walls turned into a tiger The monster did and it was really a tiger The end Is that a pretty good story?